We're going to turn to the lovely portion of Scripture, Romans chapter 15, and we're going to read verses 1 through to 13. Romans chapter 15, for those who have just joined us, we're very glad to have you. We've just sang a beautiful hymn and we've offered prayer, and now we're turning to God's Word. Romans chapter 15. We're going to read from verse 1. We're reading, of course, from the authorized version. This is a most remarkable chapter in the Word of God. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell in me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written, for this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. And again he saith, Rejoice, ye Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. And again Isaiah says, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own precious and infallible word. Now we do welcome you tonight. Thank you for coming. And for those who are visiting with us, we're really delighted to have you. Thank you so much. And we pray the Lord will bless you. Now my text this Christmas evening is taken from Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. And the theme tonight I've entitled Hope for All at Christmas time. Now, this is the last of four messages on the theme of Christmas time. Last Lord's Day, in preparation for Christmas Day, we looked at the subject, glad tidings for all. I told you the gospel's a message of comfort. God says, fear not. It's a most comprehensive message. It's for all people, those in the United States, those in Australia, Europe, Asia, the UK, including our own wee province. It's a Christ-centered message. Unto you is born this day a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. It's a message that must be communicated. Think of the shepherds testifying to all that would listen about the things concerning this child, that this Christ child born at Bethlehem. 
At the night time, we preached in the message, Joy for All, at Christmas time, the subject, the source, the seeking, and the secret of it. This morning, I preached another sermon that I called Peace for All at Christmas time. We thought about the epitome of peace, Jesus Christ. The explanation of peace is connected to our righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. We think about what it is and what it's not. We talked about the experience of peace. It must be searched for. It can be secured. You must have a sense of it. And then we thought about the uh, secret of that peace um, in our hearts and minds. We closed with the enjoyment of it. Now tonight, I have one final thought regarding God's word at Christmas time. We've thought about glad tidings for all. We've thought about joy for all, peace for all. Well, here's the last thought. Hope for all at Christmas time. Now the word hope is found in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. It says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. The word hope is used 133 times in the Bible. 75 in the Old Testament. 58 in the New Testament. But there's one book in the Bible that mentions hope more times than any other. Do you know which book it is? It's the book of Romans. It's mentioned 10 times in the book of Romans. And three of those references are are found here in Romans chapter 15. 15 is three fives. Five's the number of grace. And we could talk about this chapter being full of grace and grace and more grace. Spurgeon said this was one of the richest chapters in the whole of the Bible. And the key verse has to be 13. Now, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Four little thoughts tonight, and then we'll wrap up and have prayer. I want you to think of the prayer of hope for all. You see, Romans chapter 15, verse 13, is actually a prayer. A prayer... That God wants every believer in Christ to experience. Notice who's doing the praying. It's the Apostle Paul. Notice what he's praying about. The Apostle Paul is praying that the God of hope would fill the believers in Rome with all joy and peace and believing. For what purpose? That they may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Paul was writing a very clear, plain statement of what the gospel is for the people of God. He not only pens a letter, he not only preaches the gospel in a verbal sense, but he prays for the people of God. He wants them to experience the presence and power of the God of hope. He calls the living and the true God the God of hope. He prays for them. He wants them to attain to the highest and greatest blessing ever in the Christian life. The God of hope, filling you full with all joy and all peace of believing, that you may abound in hope. It's a prayer about joy, peace, and hope. Let me ask tonight, do you know that you're a born-again Christian? One who's full of joy and peace and also abounding in hope. I've asked myself, does this describe me? 
Can I honestly say my life is filled with joy and peace and believing and that I abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost? You see, we often think and feel and say, but, but that's not true in my experience. And we maybe even think and feel, well, that's not within my radar. At times, I might even give myself the benefit of the doubt. At times, I'll be satisfied with a bit of joy and peace and hope, but we don't ever dream of being filled with all joy and peace in believing. We don't ever dream of being filled to overflowing so that we're abounding in hope. But Paul's a realist. And he knows that we often fall short of abounding in hope. He knows that we often fail to think of all that that really means. He, he, he knows we often fail to ask and inquire, how could these qualities abound in my life? So he prays for the people of God. I thought about this as a motto text. I can't imagine any born-again believer saying I'm not interested in joy, peace, or hope. I can't imagine a Christian saying, but I don't want to abound in hope. Because all of us, if we're honest, we need these qualities. Do we not live in an age of depression? Do, do people not struggle with mental depression? Are people not physically depressed? Spiritually, in a sense? You see, millions tonight in our United Kingdom, one thing they lack, they lack many things, but here's what they lack. They lack hope. They hear news about war, current world conditions, terrorism, increase in godlessness. They have economic woes and worries to struggle with. They have personal disappointments. And how many fall into the trap of despair? And, and there's young people tonight, young men and young women, and they may even be contemplating the awful uh, predicament of, of suicide. Why? Because they're thinking and feeling and saying that there, there's no hope for me. My life's hard. It's difficult. And, and I just have to accept the wee bit of joy and peace and hope that I have. But Paul's prayer is much deeper. Paul's prayer is greater. It's much higher. He's praying that they might abound in hope. That they might experience an abundance of hope. Now we all need hope. We need hope in every age. Could I say, and I say this respectfully, we even need hope in our old age. I'm thinking of a man who was 90. His name was Charles Elliot. He was the president emeritus of Harvard University. And at 90 years of age, he was living in Maine, the United States of America. He had a neighbor called Mrs. Peabody, and he went down to see her. Mrs. Peabody's daughter had a newborn baby. He had never held a newborn baby in his arms. He wasn't married, didn't have any children. So, so he asked Mrs. Peabody, could, could he hold the new baby for a moment? She thought it a bit strange, but she lifted the baby out of the cot and put it into Charles Elliot's hands. And he held the baby for a while and he looked at it. And he said this, I have been looking at the end of life for so long. And for a few moments, I just wanted to look at life at its beginning. You see, we all need hope. We live in an age of uncertainty, disease, despair, difficulty, an age of death. And even Simeon, remember, 
in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 2, 25, he was looking for him who was the comfort, the consolation of Israel, or the hope of Israel. And even as an old man, Simeon took up the Christ child after he was born. And he had hope. He said, mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Now let us thy servant depart in peace. There's the prayer for hope for all. The second thing I want you to think about is the providence of hope for all. Are you sure tonight, as you listen to this message, that you're born again? That you're in the road to heaven and home? That you're genuinely converted, your sins are forgiven, they're under the blood, and you can say if someone asks you, are you saved? You can say, yes, I'm a child of God. Well, how do you know? Because you're found in a relationship with the God of the Bible who's revealed as the God of hope. He says, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. You see, God is the ultimate source of this hope. He's the giver, the supplier, the author of this hope. And God the Son is the object of that hope. In fact, if you think of all of these three qualities, joy, there's the words praise. Think of the word peace, there's the words provision. This peace comes from God. This peace is with God. This is peace of God. This is peace by God in our relationship with others. Do you know what? It's perfect. It's been purchased. And it's a present reality. But the word hope is the word's prospect. Years ago, young boys, when they were courting, thinking of getting engaged or maybe married, would have had to go to the father of the young girl and, and ask permission. Can we get engaged, sir? Could I marry your daughter? Now, those fathers would have sat down with those young men in a very formal setting. And the father would have usually asked the young men, what are your prospects? What did he mean? He meant, well, tell me a bit about who you are. Tell me a bit about your father and mother. Tell me a bit about what you're thinking of the future how you're going to live, how you're going to earn money, how much you think of earning. What are, you, what are your prospects for the future if you're going to take my uh, daughter uh, to be your wife? Of course, the father could give permission or the father could withhold permission. The word of prospect, a feeling of expectation and a desire that something is going to happen. The word hope is sure, it's steadfast, it's secure, it's safe, it's strong. Now I'm not thinking about the definition from the dictionary of Webster's or the Oxford Dictionary. I'm thinking of the biblical definition. What is hope? Yes, it's a feeling of expectation and a desire that, that something is going to happen, but that something is sure and certain. 
That that something is guaranteed. It's like an anchor. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. If you look at Romans chapter 15 verse 4 and verse 5 we read. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. That we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Look at verse 5. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. And then come to verse 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Come to the last verse, chapter 15, verse 33. Now the God of peace be with you all. Do you see it, the picture? Here's three titles for about our living and true God, the God that we have trusted in, the God that we believe in. And, and he's called the God of patience and consolation. The God of hope and the God of peace. See, many tonight have no hope. They lack hope. Why? Because they're looking for it in the wrong places. And the biblical hope is something that's sure, steadfast, certain. You have a confident expectation. You, you, have, a, you have a moral clarity. See, sometimes we say, well, I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. Or, or I hope the sun uh, shines and a, a, or maybe you're thinking, Boxing Day, I hope it snows all day. But you have no moral certainty it's going to happen. You have no clarity of going to happen. You, you might have a certain feeling, a hunch. But, but that's not the biblical hope. The biblical hope is sure and certain and steadfast. It rests in God's word. It, 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 it stands in those promises. If you think of the context of our text in Romans chapter 15, it, it says in verse 12, in him shall the Gentiles trust. They're quoting Isaiah 11 and 10. It's in him is a reference to Jesus Christ. And that points to the great promise of salvation for all people through him. Titus 1 and 2 talks about having the hope of eternal life. It's sure and certain. There's a clarity. There's a definite certainty about it. But I want to tell you, outside of Christ, you have no hope without him. Ephesians 2 and 12 talks about being without hope. It's not a very bleak description. Unless Christ is your hope, you don't have any real hope. Unless Christ is your hope, you have no hope. See, the hope of the world is not the same as the hope of the word. I know that one day we all face death and the grave. I know that at times we can face difficulty and face despair. But if you've got hope in Christ, then what a difference that hope makes, no matter what you face. And as I've said, the, the, the book of Romans mentions hope more than any other book in the Bible. It's not about being clever or earning more money or, or, or being educated or, or your station in life. Uh, how many have all of these things and yet they have no hope? Because they're not in the relationship with the God of hope. And they're not putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The one who is indeed the hope of eternal life. There's a great art picture. I can't remember exactly who painted it originally. It may have been a man called Harold Coping. But it's called the hope of the world. And it's a picture of Christ gathering the children of the world around him. And you see, there's the initial planting of hope through faith in Christ and the Holy Ghost and the new birth. 
And there's the increase of that hope as you abound in that. And it's overflowing. Is there any wonder the Bible tells us hope in God? Not only the prayer for hope, but the providence of hope. It's rooted in a personal relationship with God through faith in Christ. Think also very quickly the provision of hope for all. Not just a little bit. Not a trickle. Not a wee drop, as it would say. Sometimes we say, well, I would like a wee drop of tea, but what does that mean? Just a wee drop, a teaspoonful in the bottom of a cup. And if somebody handed you a wee drop of tea in the bottom of a cup and you would look at it, you'd be thinking, oh, what's wrong here? You'd be saying, fill her up, dear. That's what I'd be doing. You see, if you think of a water jug, kind of a little bit at the bottom, it could be partially full. Or it could be full. Or it could be overflowing. And that's the picture of, of, a, of an empty vessel that's filled to overflowing. And this hope was produced in us by the Holy Ghost. Is that what he says? If you look at Romans 15, 13, through the power of the Holy Ghost. It's not natural to us. It's not because you have a good personality. Or you're a bubbly, optimistic type. Or you're laid back and, and, and you're not getting ruffled or bothered about anything. But it's not natural to us. It's not even produced in us because of favorable circumstances. It's produced in us by the Holy Ghost. And this hope is really most notable in the storms of life. How you cope with life problems. How you cope with life pressures and difficulties. And when you're facing the reality of sorrow and grief. And you're full of concern in the midst of that. You're able to rejoice in the Lord. And you're able to remain steadfast and hope. That was true of Paul and Silas when they were in prison. Wrongly criticized by fellow believers. Judged by the ungodly. Yet they offered praise. They prayed at midnight. I was struck with this whenever I was at the funeral for the late Isabel Simpson. The past two years she hadn't been well. and She only could utter two words. And those two words were hallelujah and amen. On a cruise ship one time, it was a Sunday, two particular men in that cruise ship, one who was a black man from Africa, another was a white man from the kingdom, and they, they didn't want to involve themselves in the in-house entertainment on the Lord's day. So they, they walked around the ship. They had their coats on, they had their Bibles in their hand. They were, they were looking for a place just to sit quietly in deck and read their Bible. And as they walked around the ship in the opposite direction, the both of them came face to face. Now, the man from the UK couldn't speak the language of the man from Africa. The man from Africa couldn't speak the language of the man from the UK. And yet they could point to the Bible. And the African man shouted, Hallelujah! And the man from the UK shouted, Amen. Do you know what Hallelujah means? It's a Hebrew word, praise the Lord. And you know what Amen means? So shall it be. You see, if you're filled with a biblical joy, you'll delight in the Lord. You have a love for him. If you're filled with biblical peace, you'll have a strong inner contentment, no matter what's happening in the world around you or what's happening in your life. If you have this biblical hope, you will have a holy certainty. You, you will have a moral compass. And, and you'll not be overcome by worry and fear and fright. You'll acknowledge God's in control. God's in charge. He's on the throne. Romans 8 and 28 applies, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to this, his purpose. 
It is produced in us by the Holy Ghost. And also, it's procured for us through faith. Notice the word believing. The, the word believing means to trust in, adhere to, and rely on. It's in the present continuous tense. It means keep on believing God and his word. Because God and his word is the object of our trust. And if we trust in Christ and adhere to him and rely on him, we look to him alone to fulfill all the promises in us. Because that hope is secure, steadfast, strong, satisfying. It's not natural to us. It's not that we have natural faith. We have natural faith in the sense of listen to what's happening on the TV the news, get out and into your car and you turn the ignition and it starts, switch on the light when you come into the dark house and the electricity works. You see, that's all to do with natural faith, but that's not the faith that Paul's talking about here. Paul's talking about true saving faith. And this abounding in hope is, is procured for us through the act of faith in Christ. The Savior gives us that hope. The Scriptures give us that hope. You can believe God despite horrible circumstances and bad things happening. Remember, Jeremiah said, this I recall to mind. Therefore, have I hope. One final thing tonight. I want you to think about the power of hope. You see, here's the divine means that this power of hope can be sustained and maintained. It's the power of the Holy Ghost. He makes that an announcement. Three members of the Trinity are involved here. The God of hope, the Father. The object of our hope is Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah. He's the, the, the Son of God. He's the root of Jesse. And it's all mediated through the power of the Holy Ghost. And it's that power that created the universe. It's that power that resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead. It's that power that transforms lives and opens eyes and hearts and minds. It's the power of God's holiness. It's the power of God's adoption into his family. You can have a reservoir of this power. It's not only announced, but it's abounding. If I could give you some advice tonight on how to abound in this hope, spend 20 or 30 minutes every day in the Word of God, reading the Scriptures. Memorize some of those promises. Meditate upon them. It was Adoram Judson that said, our outlook's as bright as the promises of God. And when you're experiencing a setback, and you're experiencing temptation to sin, or someone has put you down verbally or beating upon you physically, you can stand in those promises. Let's learn to confess our sin of grumbling and, and murmuring and gossiping and jealousy. Let's praise God for all the things that he's given to us. And let's learn to overcome difficulty through hope in him. The power of hope for all, it's through the Holy Ghost. That's what he announces. But it doesn't come in a vacuum. We have got to make an effort. We have got to see that we apply the principles that will bring us to that place where we will not only have a little bit of hope or half a measure, but we'll be abounding in hope to the glory of God.
hope for all at Christmas time. Let's remember the prayer for it. Let's think of the provenance of it, the provision of it, how it's produced. And let's think of the power. The Lord bless you. Thank you for coming. We're going to sing in closing hymn number 87. This has been requested by our brother Mark. Hymn number 87. I just want to thank you again for coming tonight. I wish you God's blessing on this Christmas evening. And we trust that you'll have a blessed time as we move into uh, 2023.